Greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I am Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries, and this podcast is in part to discuss how to plan worship using the Common Lectionary while creating worship series that are engaging, relevant, and adaptable for your church setting. And from there, we consider a wide variety of topics that impact the worship life of the church and of your church in particular. And during this long year of physical distancing and leading online worship, we have endeavored to provide conversations that share the challenges of producing online worship and finding ways to help those worshiping with us to stay engaged and feel connected even from a distance. So after a bitter cold week of ice and snow, Nashville has been blessed with a couple of days of sunshine and warm temperatures. It has felt a little like the light at the end of the tunnel. So as the vaccine continues to roll out and the number of new cases of COVID-19 infection drops, we are feeling some hope as churches are beginning the process to move back toward in-person worship. Now, Some congregations we know have been in place for weeks, others are just beginning. Yet even as churches open and worshipers returned, it is not a going back to what once was, back to normal, but it's moving forward to a new normal, a new way of being the church together. So over the next few episodes of our Worship Matters podcast, the worship team will be exploring the the details of what moving back to in-person worship means and And what are some of the questions and concerns, as well as the hopes and the joys that we're looking forward to? But today, we thought we'd just start with a simple, how's it going? How are you doing in this process of thinking and moving toward in-person worship? And so, to help me examine this new normal, I have some guests, practitioners who are guiding their churches through this complicated time. So, let me introduce them and, and their ministry settings to you. First is my friend and colleague from the Indiana Conference of the United Methodist Church, the Reverend Nancy Nichols, who is senior pastor of First United Methodist Church in Michigan City, Indiana. Welcome, Nancy. It's good to see you, Derek. So why don't you tell us a little bit about First United Methodist Church? What makes it the unique church that it is? First United Methodist Church in Michigan City is a church, a downtown church, and like so many downtown churches, its identity has shifted and changed during the years. Michigan City was originally part of the Pullman car industry, and of course, it's now a brown city, but we have the beauty and the joy of Lake Michigan, and so we're kind of shifting from an industrial base to um, some sort of tourism service industry base. The church itself has always been known for its music ministry, which has been a little tough this year. Um, When I came here, we had two services that were almost exactly the same. The early service had the families and the children The second service had people who wanted to sleep in a little bit late. And um, so that has been something that we've had to negotiate in the past year. What makes us special in addition to our worship ministry is since 
the first day of the lockdown in March, we have taken on coordinating the downtown soup kitchen. And with the support of the Lutheran Church and the Presbyterian Church, we have not missed a day. Um, everything right now is working out of our kitchen. We're serving five days a week to go boxes. And um, we've not missed a day. Even in the sub-zero wind chill, we have not missed a day. And so in addition to our worship ministry, we're strongly trying to connect that to our missional outreach. Amen. That sounds, that's excellent. A downtown church that cares about the downtown and the city as a whole. Thank you, Nancy. It's good to have you with us. Um, but that can also be said about my next guest. Also joining us is the Reverend Stephen Handy who's senior pastor of the historic McKendree United Methodist Church here in the heart of downtown Nashville. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you, Derek. It's a great joy to be with you. So McKendree is the oldest Methodist church in the state of Tennessee. We will celebrate 234 years this year. And I became the first person of color pastor after 222 years of its beloved history. Um, at that time, McKendry was probably 99% Anglo. And in the 12 years uh, of us working together around diversity and inclusion and equity, which equals to us solidarity, we are now 40% people of color and 60% dominant culture. Um, our whole reason for being is around this word that Jesus talks about and models often discipleship. Uh, we do discipleship in a variety of ways, but everything that we do is under that umbrella. So we have small groups at a very uh, high rate that none of them can meet in the church. Everything has to be out in the community. Hmm. And so we have people driving in from, um, I would say, about six counties. So we're a destination location, if I were to use my retail background. <laughs> yeah. But we're probably, if not exclusively one of the few multiracial, multiethnic, multi-class um, congregations in the conference, and that's intentional. So we, we do a lot of feeding of our displaced members. We don't call people homeless. Um, and we serve, um, in the midst of this pandemic, we were serving one meal to about 200 people a week. We've added another missional partner, so we serve about 400 a week now, we've leveraged, I think the uniqueness of McKendree is we told people we have this wonderful building that goes often unused. Um, I tell people the church is one of the institutions that has probably the most unused space of ent entity on the face of the earth, which is um, unfortunate. But we've now leveraged our building with what we call missional partners who have to align with the mission of our church which is glorifying God by making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And so Monday through Friday, we are off and popping. Um, people are in and out. But right now with COVID, that has settled down. Um, we do more Zoom calls than ever in my life and ever that I want to do in the future. Amen. Um, I, I constantly have Zoom fatigue. I don't know if there is a remedy um, or some medication for that, but um, it is great to to be with you all and to understand that we're learning um, this five generations that exist in the church. It's the first time in Christendom. So the language has to change. 
Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we're theologians, we're thought leaders. So we can't stay in that that blockage of language that we feel comfortable with because our younger people are pushing us to rediscover language and connection points. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where we are. Um, we're in the midst of starting what we call smaller communities. We're getting ready to launch an online exclusive community because guess what? I don't have to ask for permission <laughs> and I don't have to ask for money. I can do it all over the globe. So that's where we are right now. It's exciting. It is exciting. And 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 this is a, an appropriate time for change, it seems to me, because everything's already changed. And so so moving toward this change that you described, we're, we are almost on the brink of a year since this pandemic broke. It's hard to believe that the anniversary of, of that is, is just a few weeks away. Um, so so tell me, let's start with you, Stephen. What happened to your local church, you know, when when we had to close the doors and move to an online platform? How was that received? How did it go? What what did you do uh, in your setting? So initially there was this, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? Because we did not have an online presence. And so within about six days, we spent a great deal of time around strategic thought and planning and realized that we could do this. Um, it would not be our best doing first run, but we had to offer something. And the key for us was to not do what we were doing on Sunday. Uh, early on, we talked about the transition, that we could not just move what we were doing on Sunday morning live into an online platform because the online platform has some different dynamics. Yep. And one of the things that we decided early on was to do a 30-minute format. Oh, so I wish we had church, done that. <laughs> our church said, okay, what does that look like? Yeah. And so having to get our older members online was something that we had to practice with them and let them know how to download these apps. And if they couldn't do that, we would allow them to hear voice only, but we wanted them engaged in this work. The other part, which was interesting, is we did a pre-recorded. We didn't do in sanctuary. We did a pre-recorded piece, which we did not know takes forever from a production standpoint. Yeah. But it also allows a different level of creativity that we did not have in the sanctuary. So um, all these parts and parcels were coming together from different locations in the city. And I literally would do the sermon in the sanctuary. But none of it was live. and. I have to admit, I've adapted to being out of the sanctuary. I don't know what that means going forward, but I've adapted to not being there. And it's been liberating to sit with my family on Sunday Mm. and watch worship and have conversations afterwards. So, yeah, we're in this mode of uh, I tell people we've always been in transition. Right. You know, the church is always called to be in transition because we're a movement, and not a monument. And so this disruption has helped us reimagine what it means to be the body of Christ, because the doors have closed, but the church did not close. No, yeah, It just reimagined itself in a different way. Bishop, Bishop Trimble in Indiana used the phrase, I'm sure others did, too, that the church is not closed, but it's deployed. It's It's at work. It's still going on. So. So, Nancy, you also went to a recorded uh, we Sunday went, worship. 
We went to a live stream. Oh, and you did? Okay. The constraints that we had, um, this church has traditionally for decades had a TV ministry. Mm-hmm. And we had to figure out ways that we could keep that format going because that was how we were going to engage with the older adults who already were engaged. Now, when we started all of this, the cameras were also decades old. And on any given Sunday, the people in leadership could look like SpongeBob or the Wicked Witch of the West. Um, so we were able to um, broker some grant money from the Center for Congregations in Indiana, um, funded by Lilly, and we were able to um, get some new cameras for that ministry that we could then run through the computer for Facebook Live. And so none of us are green, yellow, or blue anymore. But because of needing to maintain that ministry, we made the decision to remain in the sanctuary. And what I didn't realize, I thought we had to fill the certain block of time. And so I didn't shorten the worship service. I found out a couple of months in, we couldn't go over, but we could go under. Like, well, gee, now I know. Mm -hmm. Um, So our worship stayed kind of the same, but different. And looking back, I'm still not sure if that was the right decision, but it was the decision that we made at the time. Um, Very handy tech crew. They made it work for months until we got the new cameras set up. We were on an iPhone and um, kind of convoluted sound to make it work. Mm-hmm. And then we we got the whole new um, system going, which works most of the time. A couple of weeks ago, we had to go back to the iPhone because the new cameras didn't work. Went read into the, the more technology, the more opportunities for things to go wrong. That, that's absolutely. So, so the learning curve is steep. That's what that we're hearing all across yes. the board. Everybody's yeah. learning and growing, and what they're doing now, a, a year in, is different than what they were doing before. But but as you look forward, you know, Stephen talking about getting used to this new format. You know, are you are you resisting returning back to the sanctuary? What what your congregations feel? on on that for from both of you what what do you hear uh, the buzz being in terms of what we need to do together on sunday morning i think my folks are ready to come back we had a brief six week period in the summer when we were back in together okay and what i noted at that point was that all of the protocols we had put in place at the beginning mm-hmm. were relaxing toward the end which made me very nervous, you know, because, you know, if you want to visit with each other, fine, go outside, hang out in the parking lot. Um, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. And none of that um, toward the end that wasn't working. But mm. when our numbers started shooting up, we closed in the community, we closed back down again for face to face worship. They're ready to come back. Um, as I was sharing with Derek earlier, we have to have some repair work done in the sanctuary and I'm not going to bring them in for two weeks to send them out because we have to have scaffolding and pews removed um, to do some repair work. So 
that's going to extend it at least probably until Palm Sunday or Easter before we could even think about coming back in. Welcome to the downtown church, right, Nancy? Yes. The repairs. We we were trying to save money by not pulling the church down as much and then bringing it down for the Sunday morning tech team. And instead, we had condensation all over the ceiling. So, oh, well. One of the things that we've decided early on with the 30-minute format, which meant that I had to reduce my preaching time. Mm-hmm. What, what we're sensing now is that we realize we don't need 20, 30 minutes of preaching. Now, it doesn't devalue preaching. It just now engages the younger generation who won't sit with a 20, 30, 35-minute sermon, and we can think they will, and we can pretend they will, but that's not how they wired in this fast-paced, multi-image piece. So we decided that we would continue with our 30-minute worship component because we're reaching more people across the country and even across the globe than we've ever reached because those folk will never walk through our doors. Then we've decided um, because we've not been in our church since March. I peruse our folk every kind of three months to get a check in. And what we're hearing is we'll go back when, when you want us to. And here was my mantra. I'm not going to invite you back because I cannot guarantee your safety until I can guarantee your safety. Then we're not going back. So we're looking now at a a potential date of Easter. But then we said, well, wait a minute. Everybody's going to want to come back on Easter Sunday. Yeah, that's fine. They're going to be excited. And that's a disaster waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. So we decided at best we would start the first Sunday after Easter as a gathering place. And do this in a way that keeps us safe, because we have a we have a pretty large sanctuary that could probably seat about three three fifty. Now I say that's large. That's large for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not a mega church. Um, I'm not sure how many mega churches are downtown anymore. <laughs> but the beauty of this idea is to say we want to give options. Mm-hmm. And if this pandemic has taught me anything, it's taught me to experiment. Experiment like the, the the Wesleys did, right? They didn't know this stuff was going to work. But how do you create experiments so that you can learn and explore and do this differently and do this better, more efficiently? So right now we're looking at the first Sunday after Easter, and um, we're we're working on our protocols as we speak. Because the protocols we had six months ago, mm-hmm. or or will will be different. They're evolving, yeah. and and I'm. I'm an in, I'm an extrovert by nature. So this is literally driving me crazy to to preach to myself. I mean, I'm not really preaching to myself, but you all know what I mean. Yeah. There's, there's no one in the space. And I, I'm a touchy, touchy guy. And it's like, well, what am I going to do with my life these 12 months? But here's what I've discovered. That we have to create space online for engagement. And that's probably one of the biggest challenges of our ministry, how do you do engagement of discipleship mm-hmm. online? Mm-hmm. Now, we're, we're exploring that, right? But it's been a challenge and it's been a good challenge because it's making us rediscover first century, what the gifts and graces of first century church was. And what did Jesus really mean when he said, go and make disciples? Mm-hmm. 
well, but also go into all the world. I mean, that, that's the other exciting thing about online. You know, you mentioned that before about the online groups. Who knows where they are? You know, they may be different languages, different cultures, different, you know, all kinds of stuff and still be connected. Absolutely. So, so we're also asking the question about membership. What does it mean to belong to the body? And mm-hmm. how do we do that as, as we re-engage? One of the things that concerns me, and, and we're running out of time, so I don't want to, to drag things out, but but as we think about coming back, it's what Nancy was alluding to toward the end of your time together, the things begin to, our desire to be touchy-feely, as yeah. says, our desire to be the loving body of Christ is going to overwhelm, I'm afraid, our our logic and our you know protocols and all that. So So we pay attention to what we're going to do in worship, but what about in the narthex what about in the on the stairs coming in and even in the parking lots you know how do we how do we monitor that we've we've been doing outdoor communion we started it this summer where we would meet in the parking lot and you know as much as it violates my spirit of one loaf um you know using the little communion cups with everything contained Yeah, yeah And we've continued that. I won't, I don't do drive-in communion. So we go through the liturgy outside, which gets a little nippy in Northern Indiana. And we've had to cancel a couple of times. But what I'm noticing is even though we say we're distanced, they end up huddling together. Yeah. And initially when we were outside this summer, they were very careful about making, um, being distant. And now I'm trying to figure out how am I going to do Monday Thursday when everything about Holy Thursday is sensory? It's touch, it's feel, it's wash, it's eat, it's break. How are we going to do that? And the best thing we've come up with so far is to do communion and then invite people to take a quart of soup home and eat soup at home and then have a, a Zoom service after. I don't know. You know, we're still trying to create that. One of the neat things we did on Christmas Eve, because we pre-filmed our Christmas Eve service and people could watch it whenever they wanted to. But I was in the sanctuary one Sunday with the um, our director of music. And she said, you know, I've always wanted to open this organ all the way up. And I never can. So Christmas Eve, we opened all the windows and it was cold. It was <laughs> hovering between 10 and 20 degrees. And she cranked that organ up and people stood outside and we did Christmas carols. According and I, to the world. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I'm thinking we're going to do that on Easter morning. Why not? That Why not? Um, that may be one way for the people who want to be together but are not yet comfortable being together or I've had the same thoughts. Everybody's going to want to come back on Easter. Um, that may be one way we can do that is have, we haven't had a sunrise service here in as long as I've been here, which is three and a half years. So this will be my fourth um, Easter. Maybe our sunrise service is not down at the lake shivering in early April, but um, standing around the church with a trumpet player and and the organ blasting. The organ blasting. <laughs> and the neighbors, hopefully not too upset. That's good, Nancy. And I can appreciate the adaptiveness 
of this work and the innovativeness of this work. One of the things that we we just uh, finished uh, re-roofing our Christian Life Center. Oh. I won't talk about how much money that spent. I'll leave yeah. it but one of the things that we've done on that roof has always been a sunrise service. Mm. So it's been a beautiful piece for us. But this time I'm a member of the YMCA and I love the wide directional uh, footprints. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to replicate those directional footprints and have people standing six feet from each other. And we're going to probably have to figure out how to do that in the parking lot. So we're looking at all these other outdoor spaces where I think people feel more comfortable outdoors than confined indoors. Mm-hmm. We did a caroling with a new church start, Presbyterian Church in downtown Nashville, on this place that's called the um, Sun Trust Center. And it was really cool because it was a little nippy out. But we did caroling, and I just thought, I probably never would have done this if it hadn't been for COVID pushing me beyond our comfort and partnering with another church. It was a glorious time. And we've decided that we're going to do more things together just because of that one moment. So as I think about going back and doing whatever needs to be done, um, for us, it's really about connecting and being in front of each other. So Zoom will get fatigued, right? But if it's for 30 minutes, it doesn't feel that bad. So we just launched our Lenten um, Bible study series with um, Henry Nowen's Following Jesus um, book. And it's, we, we had tons of people on the screen last night, and it was dialogical. It was interactive because I don't do lectures. I said, that's for the seminary to do. And we just had this wonderful time of engaging and hearing perspectives. So our older members um, have gotten the vaccines for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure they're wanting to jump back into the sanctuary. So we'll figure out options mm-hmm. because if let's just say this was a pandemic that lasted three years, what would we have to do differently? Because God has called us in the sea in this season to be the authentic body of Christ in a more collective way. So I, my prayer is that this whole segregated scenario of church will be disrupted so much that we'll really, as, as Junius Dobson would say, we have to see each other. Amen. Yeah. I've yeah. been telling, you know, people keep saying, when will it get back to normal? When will we go back? I'm like, God never takes us back. No. God always moves us forward. God has been with us every step of the way. And we have a promised land out there. We just have to keep moving toward it. Absolutely. And because I am a lover of the Hebrew scriptures, I've really been able to pull some of that journey motif out and um, use some of that imagery that sometimes gets lost when we try to Christianize it too much. Well, we so, live in a world of comfort and convenience. Absolutely. And this pandemic has, has caused us to rethink what does it mean to be in relationship with one another? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, we have this creative gene that is sitting dormant for a variety of reasons. And this pandemic has really funneled for us ways to do discipleship differently. Uh, we're actually deconstructing discipleship in this season. Uh, we've decided that we would decolonize it. Can you imagine that? 
What does it mean to decolonize discipleship and the church as a body? So we're in this exploration season and it just feels that it's resonating because people are having these aha moments around the biblical text because we're in this, I would probably call it the 11th plague if I had to, to rename it. And how do we do that differently? We've moved into more, um, our conferences moving into the Fresh Expression Ministry and Messy Church and those things. Doing Messy Church when you can't be together is a little bit of a problem, but we're just keeping it in front of our people. And one of the things we've realized is how we have cheapened ministry with children through the years. You know, we've, we've taught them to have their ears tickled. And um, so that has been a real challenge is how do we engage children who are tired of being on Zoom in meaningful and depth-producing ways? And instead of having, you know, three minutes up front sitting down with me, they have their own, own children's time that is YouTubed directly to them engaging with the family, invite your family in and let's worship in that way. And I'm beginning to think we're getting more adults clicking in because that is a brief five minute teaching time. I'm thinking, okay, what do I need to learn from that one? Well, that, uh, that was Stephen's uh, revelation early on 30 minutes. You know, you don't need a lot of time. You need a focus oh. time. You need to This is a time of great creativity, I think, in the life of the church. One of the phrases that I have clung to that I heard from Leonard Sweet early on in the pandemic was maybe this is a time to help the church get over the edifice complex, that it's all about the building. You know, let's let's focus on relationships, as as Stephen says, let's let's focus on being with people in new and dynamic and transforming kinds of ways. we have learned that there's quite a bit of our choral music that works as a quartet. Mm-hmm. So we've mm-hmm. been able to do music. Um, on All Saints Day, we had a local banjo player come in and yeah. we did, you know, I'll Fly Away and, you know, things like that. Um, we managed to create a meaningful worship for people, even though they could not be present for that time. Yeah. Um, but well, I, I think yeah. that calling for innovation, creativity, and new starts and new and rethinking needs to continue, even as we move. Like, like you said, Nancy, a moment ago, even those who are saying, when do we get back to normal? Our message is there is no back, you know, we're, we're going forward, we're, we're moving on. I appreciate the time that you all have given. I know you're busy people and, and have lots of things to do, but, but this has gotten us started on this conversation. Is there a, a final word, Stephen, that you'd like to, to give before we wrap this up? I would probably say stay curious Amen. on this journey of faith. Christ is calling us into places that we've never been before calling us to use words that we've never used before and calling us to be in relationship with people that we've never honored before. So we have this great uh, awakening in this moment to be the body of Christ like no other time in history. And Christ calls us to do this and to be the people of the promised land. Amen. Well, I'm grateful. 
So stay curious, but also tear down the barriers. I, I, I loved when you talked about that, that, that the church can look different now in terms of where we sit, <laughs> who we are. So thank you for that. Nancy, what, what summation word would you have for us today? Trust that God will lead you where you need to go. Mm. You know, when I'm doing things that don't work, you know, trying to Facebook and Zoom at the same time and it doesn't work and I'm feeling like a total failure. And people are saying, I really connected. Mm. So trust that God will take those of us who are in leadership where we need to go, that God will take those of us who are worshiping together, however it is we're worshiping, God will take us where we need to go. Trust that and see what's on the other side because it's exciting and fun. Amen. It, it is a creative time and the spirit is still at work. That's, that's a, a powerful message for us to cling to today. Thank you both. The Reverend Stephen Handy at uh, McKendry United Methodist Church here in Nashville and the Reverend Nancy Nichols, Senior Pastor of First United Methodist Church in Michigan City. I appreciate your time and your wisdom. And as I said, this is the beginning of a mini series of conversations about in-person worship. So if you are listening and would like to share with us some of your wisdom and your experience, then, then go to our website, umcdiscipleship.org, and find the Contact Us uh, link and send us a note. And we'd love to talk with you a little bit more about what you're seeing in, in your setting where we are. We appreciate you joining us today and hope that has been helpful. So until next time, we'll be praying for you and with you and your congregation. May God continue to bless your worship ministry as you continue to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.